Welcome to another episode of The Fearless Launching Show. I'm your host, Anne Samoylov, and today I will be joined by the lovely Hillary Rushford of DeanStreetSociety.com. Um, I've known Hillary for a while now, but she joined Fearless Launching back in the fall of 2013, and I was so excited to be part of her book launch and so many other things that she was doing, and it was actually a very multifaceted book launch, so I thought it would be great to chat with her, talk about some of the results she got, and find out what went wrong, what, what she'll do better next time, or what she'll do differently next time, so pop on over to the conversation, and I think you'll really enjoy this one. All right, everyone, we are here today with Hillary Rushford. She is, I was trying to describe you to myself today. I'm like, Hillary is an extraordinary, extraordinary entrepreneur. She's amazing. Um, because I just look at your business and I see this exciting styling, fashion side of your business. And then you also have this other piece, which is now focused on entrepreneurs and other small business owners, maybe not even in the styling business. Um, and both seem to be really growing like crazy over at Dean Street Society, which I love that name, DeanStreetSociety.com. And so I want to thank you, Hillary, for joining me today. Oh, I'm so honored. You're one of my favorite people to talk to. I know. We're, I'm feeling the same way. I'm like, yay. Yeah, we can never not stop talking is our only problem. Yeah, I know. That's really the issue here is when – let's see how, how we do today. I'm like, we're back. We're up against a, a kid pickup deadline, so we're going to see if we can handle this or if I'm going to be making a call to the school while I'm yeah. on this. Everyone, just pour yourself a glass of wine and relax. <laughs> Have a cocktail with us for a while. Exactly, exactly. So the reason I wanted Hillary on today is because I really think that her di her business is so diverse. There's different sides to it. There's different pieces to it, but she still manages to keep it really. It's it's kind of simple too. Um, it, it seems maybe when you're in it, and maybe you struggled with this. I don't know. So we'll get into that. But I know that a lot of people have all these different things that they want to offer and do, and they don't all seem to mesh. And I just feel like you have done something where it works for you now. Um, so maybe first, just start by telling us, you know, what, what is, what's the core of this dual sided or many sided business that you have? And who do you generally speak to maybe in both sides? Yeah. So my evolution was that I started the business as a personal stylist and it just so happened that 50% of the inquiries I would get would be from fellow entrepreneurs and bloggers who wanted to pick my brain, wanted to take me to lunch, wanted me to email them back. And I just flat out didn't have time. And so I decided to be like, maybe I should just offer coaching in this. I'm getting a lot of questions. Maybe I should just offer coaching. And then soon after that, I maybe started offering coaching in like January and in February or March, I think I was an affiliate for Marie Forleo's B-School, offered one-on-one -on -one coaching through that, thought I'd get like two girls signed up and got 14. So suddenly wow. I coached 14 women through this eight-week program and loved it, learned so much, like just the repetitive issues, themes, questions. And so that just sort of like won my heart over to that 
side of it and just informed a lot of other products and things I created. So in my case, it happened organically out of people asking for my help in some way. Mm-hmm. Not that I think that's the only way it can happen because a lot of my clients come in having both sides. And my angle is I always think you can do you can do more than one thing as long as it looks like you are growing, not grasping. So if it looks like you're trying to do everything but the kitchen sink and and there's no through line, then it looks like you don't have confidence in anything. You like kind of do midwifery and you kind of grow herbs and you kind of do Pilates. And like, (laughs) it's like, I'm not really sure I can make money at any of these. So I'm going to throw eight different offerings out there. But I think when you're growing, you can say, I'm a musician myself and got so many questions about this that I now help other creatives or like I'm a musician myself and get such a response from other quiet introvert creatives that I created this ebook. Like that's, you know, one example of a client of mine. Um, Or in my case, you know, I started out styling, got so many questions about my business that I decided to start offering this. And it doesn't actually have to be the organic growth in my case. It can even be from the start But if it's still born out of a feeling of I have such talent (laughs) in both of these areas and also here's the through line, here's the story. And even another one of my clients um, is a mom blogger. Um, I hope I'm not like releasing her branding, but her blog is Eat Your Beats. And she said, I keep talking about personal style more and beauty more. And I said, why don't you why don't you just launch Enjoy Your Beauty? And like EYB can be your crossover on both. And you can make yourself an EYB logo and you can go into the blog posts on recipes or the blog posts on beauty, both under the portal of mom blog. Um, So I, I think there's so often that we get so, we're so close to our brand that it feels, I just find more often than not, people think they have two disparate brands and they're right. talking to two different audiences and they very frequently are not and or every once in a while they are and their intent is, well, I just really want to do both of these things. And I always say, I know this is going to be hard to hear, but you will thank me later. You, It's humanly impossible to launch two businesses at once. Mm-hmm. So if you want to talk to brides, another one of my clients is a wedding planner, but she also has a heart for teen girls. I say those are two entirely different Twitter feeds, Instagram feeds, uh, blogs, websites. So get one up and running to be profitable and then you can expand to the other one or just say, I'm going to run my wedding website, but I'm going to do from the heart Fridays and I'm going to write this more heartfelt post aimed at, you know, women, wherever, whatever relationship status they're in. And I'm just going to have my little Friday blog post as my my outlet for that right now. Yeah, because eventually that kind of thing does, that's that's a way to know, first of all, if you're speaking and people are listening and it's a way to get into it without really having to launch a full-on business. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of people that they don't, what they have is one business idea and then a, a secondary passion that they think, well, I'm already doing the website and all the social media. Maybe I could just also talk about this stuff over here. But I find a lot of times the second one is actually not even a real big monetization stream necessarily. Um, 
Is it just because they want permission to talk about it in the same world that they've been talking about everything else? Yeah, I think we kind of just, we're a certain DNA type. We're creatives. We're ideators. We have so much exploding in our heart and head, and we just want so desperately to freaking get it out there. And I just say a lot, this is going to be an emotionally trying few years not even because of the tech meltdowns, not because Aweber isn't working on the week of your launch, not even those reasons that it's going to be emotionally trying, but it's going to be emotionally trying because of that Ira Glass quote about you know, your taste is so high that you're not going to achieve the level you know you could for a good few years. And wow. by the same, like I talk in my book about the creative candy shop and how It's just like being a kid all over again and having to say, if I say yes to every delicious piece of candy in here, even if it's going to make me money, it's going to bless the world, it's going to bring me joy, I'm brilliant at it, but if I say yes to everything, I'm going to be nauseous, sugar-shocked, (laughs) sleep-deprived, sick to my stomach, spread thin, so I have to have the courage and the wisdom to say, what are the two pieces of candy I'm going to say yes to? I'm going to put on pause that book, that video series, that e-course, that other whole business idea, and I'm going to do what's going to make me profitable first. And then once I can rely on that, go to the next step and the next step. But I just think emotionally that's so, it feels like cutting off your arm yeah, or your leg. It feels like leaving one of your kids at home because we just get so emotionally invested. Hillary, what's your, what's your background and training? Because as you're talking, I'm like, None. I just love the way that you're using words. And I'm like, such, I'm like delicious. And all these like, <laughs> like, just like the words and the images are so bright in my head right now as you're talking. So I'm wondering, what's your background? Are you like have writing or something like that? Yeah. I, so I was an English major okay. and a theater major. So both of those you know, <laughs> lend one, themselves to that. Yeah. I mean, one, my book is called the four part entrepreneur cocktail. And one of the parts is strengths and DNA. And I think part of that is um, the fact that I see a lot of people, I felt guilty about this, which is part of the reason why <laughs> I wrote a chapter about it or a whole section about it was I felt like there was times when people would ask me like, what's your secret to success? And part of me wanted to be like, I was born this way. Like (laughs) not in a, I was born amazing, but oh my gosh, who writes your copy? Oh, I do. Well, how did you learn to write copy? Well, I was an English major. I just, writing was my thing I was good at. Like math was not. There's like plenty (laughs) of things in the world I'm not great at, but it just so happens that a lot of the things I was naturally doing. My father is basically a professional storyteller. He has a 10,000 book library in our house. I was raised going to plays and seeing Shakespeare and um, just a lot of different little things that kind of loop into my business. And somebody else is going to have some other, you know, strength, but also everyone's going to have, everyone's going to have weaknesses. And some of them are just easier or harder to overcome. Some of them, it's like less expensive to hire out help for. So even like getting your website done is more of like a a larger one-time cost perhaps. But if you needed someone to copyright, to ghostwrite all your blog posts, all your newsletters, that'd be an expensive ongoing cost perhaps. Yikes. (laughs) Um, You know, so it's just kind of looking at like, where am I going to need help? What What do I need to invest in? Um, and so some people just ha- have a leg up starting out 
Like even just the fact that I'm a stylist and I have an aesthetic eye, I was able from the get-go to have a more aesthetically appealing brand, website, mm-hmm. business cards. And I think that made people think I'd been around longer than I was. I was bigger. I was more professional. And there's a lot of my clients that will see their websites and they just don't look pro. And it's just, again, one of those things I didn't realize when I started like, oh, I'm launching aesthetically at a more pro level because aesthetics is my strength. Yeah. And I'm going to dupe people into thinking I've been around longer. And this is the second or third iteration of my website. Even though at the time I hated my website because that, that Ira Glass quote, I knew this is not a kick-ass website. Right. But I just had to, but I just launched anyways. Well, you know, this, this actually goes, goes into what we were chatting about before we officially went live, which is that sometimes you are just born wired a certain way and hopefully, and you know, with the surroundings, however you're, however you're brought up in that environment as well, that, that does a lot to bring those things out or not. And it sounds like you probably had that from probably the beginning and it was just like, it came out of you and think, you know, thank goodness for your parents. I mean, the, that storytelling ability and the, also the aesthetic, the eye is, Mm -hmm. is, are, are huge pieces to your right, establishing your brand and I know that I felt the same way. I was like, dang, who's this Hillary chick? You know, I was like, Jesus, she's got her shit together. Oops, this is no longer a clean episode. Um, um, and I, but I was like, dang. And, and I like routinely look at your photos and your Instagram feed or your, or your site. And it, I just go there for like visual inspiration just because it like is very energetic and ener- it really energizes me. So I know that. I know that other people are probably drawn to that too. Um, yeah, and I will say even that I was not the fashionable girl growing up. I wasn't the fashionable girl in my twenties. Like my boyfriend, when I was in my early twenties here in New York, were still friends, and he like had posted some photos on Facebook, you know, back from like an old birthday party, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that I was so not cute when you dated me. Like <laughs> I got so much hotter after we broke up. I really apologize. I just like didn't know what to do with my hair. I didn't know what I was wearing. So also right now, what I built the crux of my business around being a stylist, that was not like a DNA thing where I'm like, yeah, I was just kind of that fashionable girl from the age of 12. <laughs> like, so there is, and even when it comes to Instagram, it's not like from day one, my Instagram feed was killer. I just started paying attention and investing time and playing around. And now I teach about Instagram because I've just made that one of my little pet projects. So that's also not to say if something isn't our strength, yeah, we can't grow into it. On the other hand, technology is not my strength and I don't ever desire to make it my strength. Like I'm so weak at it and it causes me so much meltdowns. I just want more and more to have people honestly, like at my beck and call that can just help me in a crisis. Like <laughs> You're like, please wanna... just do this. I don't yeah, even want to like, put a finger on it. Yeah. yeah. So I think there are, there is a certain point at which like you have to bootstrap it in the beginning and be a jack out of all trades. And then as you move on, you're like, what are the things that I actually suck at and I'm okay sucking at. Like I have to say, I can't be brilliant at everything. So I would rather be brilliant at a few things and unabashedly suck at a bunch of other things and hire them out. (laughs) Yeah. I, I'm, I feel the same way though. I sometimes do just kind of like, I'm just like a, 
I'm very like, uh, what is it? Stubborn. And I will still try. And then, but I'm getting better at turning that around quickly before I would just keep going and going. And then I'm just like, nope, need a developer. (laughs) Not doing that. Where I'm at right now is not necessarily the stubbornness, but it's the procrastination. I am Mm. not on top of my ish enough that I frequently am like, well, the Dean Street seminars go live tomorrow and I haven't finished the page yet. So I just have to figure it out today because I'm not going to make an SOS call right. to my web designer and stress her out today. So For that's sure. really, that's, I, I just hit, just past two and a half years in my business and my vision for these next five months with my incredible new assistant is, um, is changing that, is we're getting ahead. We're, we're coming up on a new launch and we just decided today, you know what, we're going to push it back a week because no one's going to die if it happens a week later. But we are going to be much less stressed out. <laughs> yeah. I I think that was a good decision. Yeah. So, oh. you know, I'm 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 wondering here. So, okay, so just in terms of people finding you then and how this whole business evolved, it probably came out of, you know, more of like what they need, what people are asking for. Hey, I might as well. I'm good at this. And you acknowledging those strengths and those areas that you just you just had experience in and you were good at. Yeah, and I also think I I first and foremost am a teacher. And even when I look back, my previous career was in musical theater. What I loved doing most of all was choreographing or being a dance captain, which is basically the choreographer's assistant. And what I've always loved is breaking things down for people, taking <laughs> complex choreography, making it simple, helping them, you know, get past a complicated part, taking people who are kick-ass singer actors and didn't think they were going to look great at the choreography and creating something that they looked good at or you know explaining it that's really exactly what I do now I like break down I broke down tap steps before and now I break down outfits and I break down business processes I break down how to use Instagram how to know enough photoshop basics just to make your own marketing graphics like So that really is kind of the crux. Like I do it under these two themes of style and business, but actually what it is, is that my strength, again, my father, who I said is a storyteller, is actually a PhD professor. And I think it goes back to, I was just always a teacher growing up and Mm. always thought that was what I was going to do professionally. I was going to get my master's, teach at a university. Instead, I just teach on the topics I didn't even know existed to teach on. (laughs) And, and just as a side note, this is all of this is precisely why Hillary and I like talking to each other, I think because of our strengths and the choreography part. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Because we've decided we would have been the best of friends at eight years old, totally nerding out about coming up with choreography routines and making our younger siblings play school with us. Where we were, of course, the teachers. Of course. We were both yeah. the teachers. Yes, exactly. So that's that's so awesome. And I, I totally understand that. That is at the core of what I love to do. And I see that in you as well. I see that teacher aspect and and uh, if you if you haven't actually, even if you're not, I, I would say even if you're not looking for style advice, look at those style posts that you do. What are they? There's like a specific day of the week. I know you do them, but now Mondays. So just go and look, she breaks that down. There's no way you can't understand what's going on in those, the images. I love everything. Thanks lady. (laughs) Okay. So anyway, so you talked about launches. Let's go there because 
Mm-hmm. I think there are tons of people um, who who would actually be really inspired by, you know, I know we talked prior about some of the different types of offerings you provide. And, and I know that they're not actually so different. They're just, um, they're just kind of presented in different ways. So, Mm -hmm. so how, first of all, how did you come to the, when did you start doing the one-off workshops that you do? So the Dean Street seminars, I don't remember exactly, but I want to say Maybe it was like a year and a half ago. And that was another example. I just was always posting, you know, about webinars or classes or whatnot in the various entrepreneur groups I was in, creating fame, B-School. And so many people would comment, oh my gosh, I love your graphics. Who makes these for you? Your graphics always look so great. I wish I knew how to do these. And that really was just, it just kind of piqued my interest of like, you know what? I do have great graphics and a lot, I've not seen a ton of these on this group and people want to know how to do it. Maybe I'll just throw it out there. And I didn't, I literally created it at like midnight, threw it out the next day, didn't do any market research to see what everybody else was charging or whatnot. Didn't even occur to me. And this is why I've said to you, it took me so long to join Fearless Launching because I kept being like, but I don't have any fear in launching. I'm actually a serial <laughs> launcher because I just need to pay my rent. Like I can't financially afford to be scared. You're like, I'm already a fearless launcher, but thanks. Yeah. I was like, I just have to throw <laughs> things out there. Oh, you know what? Now I remember, I think maybe I came up with it right before I was going to London. I was going to London for a month to house it for a friend and work over there. And I just flat out needed money. I just needed more income for my business. And it was like, what could I throw out tonight to say that I would teach? And it it was such a success. Like that Photoshop seminar is our most, well, now Instagram's probably our most popular. That went really well this last time. But prior to that, Photoshop had been our best seminar for the last year. People loved it. And it really was just born out of paying attention to what they were saying they were struggling with. And then not overanalyzing it and just launching it. <laughs> so did you just send an email out, shoot a few things into the Creating Fame group, say, hey, I know you wanted to know how I do these. Here, yeah. I'm going to tell you. I think I, I just put a page up on my website and then, yeah, threw it out on social media. I wasn't even really using my newsletter at the time. I took me – I will say, as much as I launched without fear – because that was tied to income and I just flat out needed income to keep going. But there was definitely other ways in which I super overanalyzed and got in my own way. One of which being my newsletter. I couldn't figure out what to do with the newsletter. Was I just sharing my blog posts? Was I sharing other stuff so people wouldn't unsubscribe? What was my free gift? It should be a PDF, but I don't know how to make PDFs. I just, it took me like a year and a half to actually just launch my newsletter. So I doubt that I even did a newsletter blast at that point. It probably was just social media and really probably those entrepreneur groups. Um, because that was just so such the perfect yeah. target demographic. It was exactly, it was the exact perfect place. And I know that I, I was late to the boat, like one of the times and Catherine had told me, Catherine just had told me she, she took it. And I'm like, I'm in next time. Is she going to run it again? Give me the replay. I was like, and she's like, no, I don't know if she's going to run it. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll have to wait. And I did, but it was totally well worth it. And I'm sure Instagram was a huge hit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's my, I'm super obsessed with Instagram right now. So, but I actually like the idea of having those one-off workshops as like one of your types of offerings because it is, those are like, those are probably super easy for you to launch. You just put them up, 
tell them, tell people about them. And then you don't have to really do all that other stuff like you did for the book. (laughs) Keeping it, oh my gosh, yeah. Especially (laughs) keeping it low price point and one off. Like, and again, they were things, well, I will say, I don't think people were really asking me about Instagram. I just had a feeling in Instagram, it was more, my numbers were compelling. I was growing my audience by more than a thousand a month. And I thought, I've, I've stumbled upon some things here that I'm not hearing other people talk about. I have a feeling that people would want to hear this. That was more gut instinct. And I was totally right. We had like 130 people sign up for that first one. It was wow. crazy. Um, but the Photoshop one was more listening to what they wanted and then saying it's going to be low price point and one time. And so it feels like a low barrier to entry. You aren't having to go through this long sales cycle with people it isn't that much money for them. It isn't that much of a commitment. And so I think I think part of it for me has been alternating between bigger and smaller launches like that. Um, right. Has has kind of added up to helping me stay more more financially profitable that I could like be doing smaller things in the meantime. And every single thing is not a, a six six week or three yeah. months or longer process. Okay. So I'm just going to get back into this and, and ask you to talk to us about some things. And I have some questions. I know, I, I, I'll admit, I know some of the answers, but I do think that what you, what yep. you did in the process of preparing for the four-part entrepreneur cocktail was, was mm-hmm. pretty huge. It, you, you dealt with a lot of things that people face and are scared about facing when they're about to launch. Um, so how far in advance did you start prepping for that? Cause I know that you were, there was part content creation that was happening and then there was part stuff with your team. So how far in advance do you think you really started thinking about that launch? So I wrote the first draft of the book, the first two weeks of September. So I came back to New York. I went away to California to do that for two weeks by myself. So I came back mid-September and we launched three months later on my birthday, December 17th. Um, In the midst of that, though, there were definitely other things going on. I was doing a round of my style class, Style and Styleability. I was brought onto a new website that was not a good partnership. They were asking way too much of me. Um, there's just other things going on. It wasn't like my plate was just completely. Yeah. You were still working. You were still bringing money into the business and you were also doing this launch. (laughs) Yes. And I mean, I'm very grateful that we just pushed and made it happen, but it was crazy. I mean, I don't, I, so, and again, this goes back to that thing of, it's just going to be emotionally challenging for the first few years. There's not a way to do it gracefully if you need to be making money come in. (laughs) If money is not an object, you can choose to do it gracefully. But for me, I needed to pay my very expensive New York rent. So um, I, I didn't really have the option, which I, in hindsight, I would love to be like, I only ever launch one thing at a time. And I really am just focused on the launch and I'm not having to work on other things. But in our case, we had those three months. I was very distracted with other things. I was also still trying to write the book, mind you. So I had the first draft done, but I spent a lot of time still writing the book. And there was just so many technical things we were trying to figure out. 
We did affiliates, which we shouldn't have done. We didn't have one single affiliate sale. So we spent a lot of time trying to figure out Mm -hmm. affiliates. We did a lot of time on, um, we did a blog tour, the happy hour blog tour, which was okay. It gave us okay traffic. Um, and it took a medium amount of time. I wouldn't say it was an unwise decision, but it wasn't wildly successful. It didn't net us all this traffic. Pretty much there was a couple of big bloggers in there that gave us good traffic, one in particular. And other than that, it was just a little bit here and there. Um, we had a PR intern who was killing it until she disappeared. We never heard from her again. So we had no guest posts, no PR, no interviews. Um, so that's one of the things that like, I couldn't, I couldn't have known it. I don't like regret choices, but in hindsight, if I could rewind, I would say, let's like, as soon as the PR intern disappears, let's Mm -hmm. get another one. Let's not be like, Oh, maybe she's busy at work. Okay. We heard from her now. Like, I think we needed to be much more intentional about like, Hey, if it's been 24 hours since we asked and we haven't heard from you, we're going to give you 24 more hours to respond and then we're going to replace you. Like we don't have time right now. And, um, I definitely wish we had hopped on that and gotten someone new. Um, and I wish we just little mistakes. Like we, we made Instagram, we made graphics for every person on the happy hour blog tour, which was a colossal waste of time because if you Instagram a marketing graphic every single day, or you put an in, a marketing graphic on your Facebook page every single day for 30 days, you look like a massive <laughs> spam factory. So, but I that, still, I like, love those. And I, and, and I was just looking at the sales page for the book and I like how those, those are there. They look great. Yeah. They all together, they look great, but we had individual ones. And again, I'm not talking about the happy hour dialogues interview series you were on. I think that was different because it was only yeah. 10 people, but the blog tour, which was 30 on top of also having the happy hour dialogues, it was like we needed, then we changed it up and decided to start doing foursome graphics. And that's really what we should have been doing. I think we should have found a way from the beginning to make graphics that said like these seven women are coming up right. this week on happy hour, um, blog tour. Um, so that was a little bit of a waste of time. We did not figure out, we still are struggling with this. How the hell do you make an ebook? Like we did it on pages. That was a disaster because our headers are JPEGs. And every time you go to type something, the JPEG hops around someplace else on the page. So you find like one errant typo and it could take you 30 minutes to reformat a bunch of stuff. We switched over to InDesign. We're still ha- having that issue. Um, so just some technical glitches of like in my head, it was like, Oh, I want, I'm going to make this a choose your own adventure. I have these colored dots and I tend to come up with a lot of things that I'm like, I did not realize that was super complicated when I created it. (laughs) I had this whole concept for, you know, you can read the book chronologically or by theme. So therefore you need these colored dots as like a follow the yellow brick road to be like, I'm only going to read about overwhelm from start to finish. I want to hear her two year journey, just about overwhelm. But that meant all of my titles were graphics, not text. And that was just this massive amount of time for my graphic designer. And then we hired a guy to do our second version. And still it's like, there's just got to be an easier way. 
So there definitely were just a lot of tech glitches along the way. And I share all of those in part just to say, like, I think no matter how smart and savvy you are, you're just going to do a lot of things that you're like, in hindsight, I, I should have, I shouldn't have said yes to that. I didn't realize how big it was going to be. I should have simplified. I didn't realize how complicated. I had higher expectations that that was going to give me more traffic, more list building, um, which was a big thing for me. I We sold at three and a half percent of um, of my list at the time, which mm-hmm. is great. Average sales is one to three percent. So I felt good about that. But my sales projections were based on our list growing a lot more. And so that was hard. You know, in the beginning of Fearless Launching, you talk through like your mm-hmm. launch goals. And so this time around, I, I literally just went back and did the worksheets yesterday again for this new launch and said, I want to sell 3% at our current yeah. list size. And yes, I hope our list grows and that will be a win. But in my heart, what I'm going to bank on in terms of how much will, am I going to invest in help, in a project manager, in a video team, the number I'm going to come up with is based off of my current Absolutely. list. I like that too, because it is easy to get disappointed. And also, you know that it's growing. So you have like some sort of like at least based in reality, you know that your list is growing, you see it grow, but you can't you can't make those projections based on that growth almost like before it happens or something. I, I I know that it sounds weird, but sometimes I feel like I jinx myself in that way. And so I've had to step back and do the same thing. Mm. Yeah, it's just hard. It really is like a shot mm-hmm. in the dark so often to be like, how much do I think it will grow by? And I think it would be good. We did track what our growth was. I don't know that off the top of my head, but I think it would be interesting to see um, – like if we track it off of this next style and styleability launch, or even to go back and look at my metrics of like how much did it grow during the B school launch, can I look at that and say my list typically grows by X right. percent, or at least give myself a range? Because I think in the beginning, when you're just coming up with numbers, it's so hard. And we also tend to throw out numbers and, um, Bo, my boyfriend has, he is really nerdily obsessed with my Instagram because I'm nerdily obsessed (laughs) with my Instagram. Um, And so he looks at like the percentage of growth. Like I'll say, okay, I grew grew a thousand. I grew 1500. And he'll be like, okay, so what percentage was a thousand that you should be telling your students if they have 200 Instagram followers if they do what you're saying, they should be able to anticipate a X percentage, you know, five percent right. growth, whatever. And that therefore, if they get to 220 followers, that's a win. Um, and I think I would like to start paying better attention to my list growth percentage during different launches to be able to give my um, my business coaching clients. Cause I just, I'm super transparent about all of this. Like in my, at the end of each chapter section in my book, I list how much money I was making, exactly where it came from, what my social media following was on every platform, what my um, honor society, my list size was. 
Um, so I'd love to be able to share that more specifically in the next chapter of the book. Cause I'm adding on a chapter yeah. every six months. Well, I think, um, I, and kind you know, of break Hillary, that down. I think that's really smart. This just within the last few weeks, I've been thinking about the practices of bigger businesses, like seven figure businesses. And one of those is like, you know, I can look obviously at, at LKR and look at this. And one of those that I saw amazing growth in her businesses here, even though I wasn't part of it for most of it, um, they, the one key thing that they did was start measuring like this. They started doing like, um, noticing how much, uh, not even just looking at Google analytics and saying, Oh, what is my traffic up or down? But, but doing that percentage growth, um, on everything. Yeah. I think it just helps you be more realistic. Yeah. I see even with a lot of my clients, like, you know, whether it's one-on-one coaching or my mentorship coterie, I'll ask people, what are your, what are your goals in the next three months, six months, three years. And I see a lot of times that there's unrealistic expectations based solely on my experience. Now, maybe you're going to start making 5,000 a month, six months from now. If I look back on my first six months of business, that was not the case. (laughs) Um, And I think those things are just hard. And I look back at things I I share in the book, um, Jen Elsner, who's a mentor of mine, I signed up for B-School through her affiliate link. And she sent an email like asking where you wanted all those, all these different goals to be at in six months. And I found that email when I was writing the book. And it's like, I was just throwing Mm. out numbers. I was like, I want 5,000 Twitter followers. I want 10,000 likes on Facebook. Okay, well, fast forward two years, I still have less than 3,000 followers on both of those platforms. And I made my business profitable and we're on track to make 100,000 this year. So clearly my goal was was not only arbitrary, but it was not actually a measure of success. Like who cares if I have 5,000 Twitter followers, if I'm making my business profitable and I'm loving what I'm doing, that actually wasn't an important (laughs) metric. And it was also based on nothing. It wasn't saying, you know what, I've seen this percentage of growth. And I read this girl, Hillary's book, and she pointed out this was her percentage of growth. So I feel like it would be a realistic estimate to say, this is what my Twitter following may be. And so then we just mm-hmm. disappoint ourselves by being like, I want my list to grow by a thousand when you have 200 people and you're like, okay, well, 800 people is a lot, like 500% growth. That's a lot to expect from this launch. Again, it could exactly. be possible, but what, but are you like just, but it's so hard because people tend to not share those numbers, which is why I'm so passionate about sharing well, them. So it's hard. No, how fast are other people growing? No, I mean this realistic? is this is actually a perfect conversation um, for uh, the month of April and May when I'm. That's all I'm doing is I'm talking about results. That you know because it yeah. is true. It's like you look at other businesses and you're like, oh, okay, wait a minute, what are they really doing? What what kind of results are they really getting? You know, um, and even even down to. I think I think giving them that information helps them see, okay, if I want to at least hit that, you know, 5%, 8%, 4%, whatever it is, I'm going to try to do this because that's probably my best bet. But what is that 8% to me? And I think I think mm-hmm. getting people to be a little bit more realistic is so important. Yeah, and like you said having there is like, we are both kind of nerdy nerds. And so looking at the, 
the da- and I'm not data obsessed. Like I don't really look at my Google Analytics. I only check my stats once a month. I don't. There's a lot of things that like. One of the things, for example, on Instagram that you could do if you want to track your Instagram traffic is to make the link that's in your profile a Bitly link. So if you wanted to get people, you know, to opt into your podcast or whatnot, you make that a Bitly link and then you can track how many clicks you got. Well, to me, I'm like, but yeah, can't you just tell how many people signed up for your podcast? Like, I mean, yes, you could look at, okay, you know, I got a hundred clicks and only 50 people signed up. So what can I do to convert my page better? But at this point to me personally, it's like, I have so much to do in a day. Am I act, is that the, the one thing that I'm really yeah. going to focus on getting my analytics about? So I'm not obsessive about everything, but I choose a handful of things. Like right now I really am focused on Instagram and I'm also paying attention to my friends on there and like, oh, this friend, I feel like she was around like. 13,000 in the end of fall. And this other friend was around the same ones at 14,000. The other's at 18,000. Okay. They're really, it really is possible to be active on the platform, but for one person to be doing things that are leading to more growth. And I see that my one friend, the Allison show, who's amazing. <laughs> she really focuses on Instagram and she, she was in the happy hour dialogues that I interviewed you for in the fall. And I swear she was around like, 12 or 13,000. And I just noticed she's at 18,000. Um, but I, I think she's using the platform really well. She's one of my favorite examples for how to use it well. And so I think that's an example of my other friend that I was looking at, who's a style blogger. She's just been focusing on different things. She hasn't been pouring the majority of her energy into Instagram. So you certainly can grow faster if you focus there. I've focused there and I've done nothing on Twitter and Facebook because that's just what I decided to do for 2014 because I was tired of feeling guilty that I just can't be (laughs) awesome everywhere. Plus, you know, Instagram is more fun and I think it totally makes sense for you, obviously, uh, to be there. And, and, you know, I've actually seen other folks like uh, Catherine doing more there even than blogging. Um, putting full-on posts yeah. under her pictures, I, I just, you know, which I think is I think is an interesting use. I haven't really looked and followed like her growth at all, so I have no idea um, on that. But but yeah, totally focus on where on one place at least. And and for me, that's Facebook now. But I I love Instagram too. But I still haven't figured out how to bring more of the visual into what I do. So. Yes. Yes, I know. I'm like, I have my list of questions. It's like been coming up in my head, but it's for me. So I'll wait and then I'll report in once I get results from those things that I need help with. Um, So during your launch, then you've got all these kind of, there's been a, there sounds like a few team hiccups, um, tech hiccups, which I think all of that, like you said, I think it's, we don't want to expect it, but it is pretty normal for those things to happen. And, um, but I'm curious, did you, were you in charge of creating all of the written content then? Like all the emails, everything? Mm. Mm-hmm. I do not understand, but bless you if this works for you. I don't understand people who find other people to write for them or in their voice. Like it feels like having like a sex <laughs> surrogate or something. Like I don't understand how you like have someone else do that for you. It just feels so personal to me that... um 
Yeah, that I, I mean, social media, I'll have people kind of draft social media, but inevitably I end up changing. Right. And then about images, I think that you told me before that you, do you have like an intern now that does that for you or do you do them? Yeah, I have a graphic designer. At the time we had a graphic designer and a graphic design intern. Um, And so they would, they did a lot of, uh, a lot of the graphics Um, and then there again, it just kind of depends. There's times when I just had procrastinated and I just needed to get something up or it just wasn't, you know, what I wasn't really loving an image. Mm -hmm. So I would open up Photoshop and spend two hours trying to figure out how to make this image better. Um, so definitely I did some of it, but yeah, I was, um, definitely had two girls helping me with graphics. What stuff Um, did you hand off? What stuff would you say that you handed off? Gosh, it's so hard. I feel like so. One of the smartest things I did was hire a project manager at the last minute, Karen Sargent, who's amazing. Um, And I think part of the reason I brought her on was because I was like over so much of it that I was like, I just can't, I can't finish this book and do what I need to do and run this whole show. So I have to bring someone on to run this whole show. And I think to me, I just spent so much time managing, delegating. Um, and it's a little bit of a blur. It's a little bit like childbirth. <laughs> like you can't really remember all the ins and, and outs of what happened. Um, yeah. And you don't want to. So I'm guessing. I don't have kids. Trust but, me. <laughs> um, I, yeah. <laughs> but I've I've seen enough made-for-TV <laughs> movies to understand. Um, so... I don't even know what everyone was doing, but we really had like 10 people at, like on our Trello. I mean, we had my chief of staff, graphic designer, web designer, bookkeeper who was helping me like go back and look at data and things like that, project manager, graphic design intern, chief of staff intern, two other interns we brought on, video uh editor for the video parts because I was doing all those interviews. A big part of it, actually, my chief of staff spent an exorbitant amount of time scheduling all the interviews we did. That was one of those things. In hindsight, she and I were both like, we had no idea how much time it was going to take to reach out to people, not hear back, reach out again, get them on the calendar. They are on the calendar, but they haven't given us their headshot. They haven't given us their bio bits. Now they want to change it. Oh, now they're sick. We got to change it again. She spent pretty much all she was doing for a big chunk of that, of the launch was that interview series. And I think we had eight, nine, I think we had 17 people total that I interviewed. So she was spending a huge chunk of time on that. And then for me, I was prepping for each one of those you know, pulling my clothes, doing my hair and makeup, getting my light on and my setup, recording that, uploading it, getting it to the editor. Um, so, and our editor was not awesome. He was literally at my house at midnight trying to upload because his internet went out and the Starbucks internet was too slow. And I was like losing my mind. Um, so even things like that, I thought, oh, I love chatting on camera. This will you know, this will be so great. And the feedback we got from the videos was great. It's still one of my favorite parts. I'm so glad we did it, but I didn't yet again, story of Hillary's life. I didn't realize what a big ask it was when I set out. I didn't realize how much of Nicole's time it was going to take. 
and therefore how much else she wasn't going to be able to help with, which is why we were like scrambling and bringing on more interns and a project manager. Yeah. And Yeah. I find that, that that, that like not knowing, you know, when people want to do a, ha- a Google hangout or a live call or this or that, any of, the, of those little things turn into their own production in themselves. And that's. They, they really do. Even just, just outside of launches, you know, doing like I did a free webinar with Whitney English um, mm-hmm. like an encore of our alt summit class. And even that it just, by the time you like, you create the graphic, you create the page, you set up the different opt-in list, you schedule it on GoToWebinar, you get it all out, but you have to upload the recording. You have to, it really is so many more hours than you think. And those are the kinds of things that I'm, I'm moving towards in the next five months of saying, I want to have someone create the graphic someone create the page, someone set up the AWeber, the go-to webinar, be in charge of the recording. It goes out afterwards. I would just like to show up and teach because I love teaching and I can talk for an hour about overcoming overwhelm with my eyes closed and be a super happy camper. But it's actually this whole process takes 15 hours. And and usually (laughs) it does, a lot of it ends up on your shoulders because you're, you're like kind of thinking through the process as you're getting there. You're like, oh, right now I have to make this. And then you don't want to like, like you've said before, you don't want to feel like a jerk giving something to someone at the last second. So you end up just doing it, um, whatever it is. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's one, um, procrastinating, but two, you made a really astute point that, you just don't know what you don't know Seriously. until you start. So it's, it, there's just a steep learning curve of, I haven't written out all the <laughs> steps that it takes to put on a free webinar and I don't plan far enough ahead of time and have the right people on my team to say, here's the list, make all these other things happen. So it's like you need to start earlier and you need to have done it enough times that you remember, oh, yeah, there's a lot of steps here. I should write these out and right. delegate them ahead of time. And so I will say I'm learning, you know, going through fearless launching a second time right now while I'm going through a different launch is awesome. And the first time, the other smartest thing I did, two smartest things I did during my first big launch, a.k.a. the book launch, one was hiring a project manager. Um Two was I went away for two days to a and b upstate by myself and just created my whole launch plan. Like I went through all my fearless launching notes. I just, and then you and I got mm-hmm. on Skype for like an hour, I sent it to you. We talked through it and I went up thinking that I was going to work on the book and then realizing, oh my gosh, this, I, what I actually need to do is lay out the whole launch plan in a Google docs folder divide it all out, give it to the team, let everybody look at it. So yesterday, same thing. I sat down thinking I was going to work on my launch videos and instead was like, oh wait, I went over to Fearless Launching to like see what things jogged my memory or whatever. And was like, oh right, the launch plan. (laughs) So instead of writing my launch videos, I wrote the launch plan, but then it was great. I called my assistant, Liz, we walked through the whole thing. I said, you sit with this tonight come back to me tomorrow. Let me know if you have questions. And I said, let's just check in on this. And even things like one of my things on there, which was supposed to be done today, which hasn't been done, was I need to reach out to every person on the team and let them know this is coming. Because that's a classic Hillary thing to do to be like, oh, I didn't tell you we had a big project <laughs> launching. 
Yeah, yeah, it's actually it launches next week. So if you could get that new page up, <laughs> I'm sure my team is like, how long have you known about this for? And I'm like, oh, it's been in my head for like six months now. And you're like, awesome. Maybe you could have let us know. Um, so that really going away for a few days and getting the whole launch plan out for, and then even now going back again to that 101 step of doing Anne's whole launch plan. And I just, I, what I did was take your launch roadmap and your like 10 steps to getting started. And I just answered all the questions. And then I opened up a doc and just kind of inserted those in an order yeah. that made sense to me of like, okay, here's all the notes I took that Anne reminded me I need to do. Now let me lay them out in like, what kind of needs to happen first, mm-hmm. second, who's kind of doing what, and then start to divide up. All right, what stuff I need to do, what stuff Liz needs to do. And now if we can check in every day, every other day on that launch plan, I think, Jesus fingers crossed, it will allow me to not have as many moments where I'm like, crap, I was supposed to do that a week ago. Well, I'm sure that Karen reminded you of this when she was working with you because she's really big into it. Like I've talked to her throughout launches and stuff. She's like, she's like, yeah, you know, because she was actually going to jump in and help me on the last fearless launching, but we were just already too deep in. And she just said, it doesn't sound like you <laughs> right now. She's like, but just get your, what you have mm-hmm. to finish, get your weekly kind of, I need to finish this this week in order to stay on track. And then each week you kind of have your list of deliverables. Mm, I like so. that to look at it weekly. Yeah. The other thing that was good about having Karen, she did provide perspective that she said, you know, she's like, you're doing back for the book launch. She said, you're doing three launches. She said, this happy hour blog tour is a launch. The happy hour dialogues is a launch and you're doing your book launch and you're still writing and editing it. Like she's like, you're pulling off an, a massive amount. So you're doing great <laughs> for what you're trying to accomplish. And I think that's another, like, sometimes that is the benefit of, you know, investing the money to hire someone like a coach or a project manager, or whatever is I need someone. I love Friday night lights. I love college football, high school football. So I always use the analogy. Their phrase in there is clear eyes, full hearts can't lose. And I always say as entrepreneurs, we have such full hearts, but we're too close to it to oh, have clear yeah. eyes. And that's why like every quarterback, you know, Peyton Manning, it doesn't matter if you're making millions a year, every quarterback at the elite level has a coach that's up in the box with a totally different vantage point. Like Peyton is down in the middle of the action. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, who's the quarterback (laughs) for Denver. I just met other people listening. You're like, like, I I know. I bet you know. Peyton Manning is a big time quarterback. I'm sure he (laughs) makes millions. Um, so he's down in the midst of all the action and he has someone at a different vantage point up in a box all the way at the top of the stands who he comes off of the the field and talks to on a headset after every play. And that guy, I'm not to be sexist, I'm assuming they're all men. Um, that guy says, here's what I saw that you didn't see. And they talk about strategy. And that to me is just a great reminder of like, no matter how smart and savvy and hustling I think I am. I'm just in it too close. I need someone with a different perspective to be like, listen, you're trying to pull off four launches. Like you're rock star for what you're doing. Yes, things are falling through the cracks, but you're doing yeah. all you could do. 
Like you couldn't do this any better. It's not perfect, but you couldn't do it any better. Um, and I think, you know, when it's three in the morning and you haven't really slept and you're like weeping over a box of dried Cheerios, that's, you know, you need someone to be like, you're doing yeah. all you can do. Are you really <laughs> super hard on yourself? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I realized I'm realizing this more and more through my therapist, but I just don't, I don't realize that I am. And it's one of the great questions of my life is like, am I actually working as hard as I could? Or do I just look like a hard worker? (laughs) And so people think I'm killing it. And like, every time someone responds to my business from the outside, you know, you're like, oh, you're just like extraordinary. And there's so much going on. And to me, it's like, I'm on G chat with my boyfriend before we talk. And he's like, did you do this? Did you do this? And I'm like, no, (laughs) three major things I was supposed to do today. I didn't do, I forgot I was supposed to do this guest blog post. So I got derailed with that. I had two interviews and it's like, I was working all day, but I get to the end of the day and I'm like, oh my gosh, but I still didn't write my launch video copy. And I didn't find him those blog posts for those garment racks. He's going to build me tomorrow. Like, you know, all, all these different things. The garment racks, by the way, are for the videos. They all play in. But I think I don't realize, and I think a lot of people are like this. It's another thing I... I talk about in the book is, um, have you read the E-Myth Revisited? One of my favorite books on entrepreneurship. It's like two bucks used on Amazon. If you haven't read it yet, highly recommend it. The E-Myth Revisited. He basically talks about there. There's three types of DNA, like three personalities that an entrepreneur has to have all three. And I think this goes back to the concept of DNA that some people are just more naturally predisposed to one or the other. And I'm pretty evenly all three. And I see that a lot of my clients, I've renamed them the hustler, the navigator, and the visionary. And I think some of my clients and friends are the visionary where like, they want to have a lot of influence. They want to change the world. They want to be a thought leader. They don't really know how they're going to get there. So they've like gotten themselves into some debt. They like they have big dreams, but like every time it actually comes to execute and like to launch, to just sit down and dive in and write the content for the e-course, they're like, I don't know if I really want to talk about this. And they just kind of hem and haw. Or you've got the hustlers, like they're willing to work. They're like, they're a mama of four. They're just going to dive in there and work their little buns off. But they're like pedaling so hard and like dripping with sweat, but they haven't looked up to see Mm -hmm. where they're going. And so they're like, killing it on the number of tweets they put out there and they have a hundred Twitter followers. And so you're like, is that really doing anything for you? Um, and I think in the beginning, like I was more of a hustler and had less vision for where I was going because I think it's just, it's hard to have that maturity from the beginning, I think. And so I invested way too much time on social media, way too much time on blogging, not enough time on guest blogging, not enough time on a newsletter. It took me a year and a half to launch something other than one in, one-on-one courses. I was way overcomplicating what I needed to create an e-course. No reason that should have taken me a year and a half. Um, so I definitely, it's one of the reasons I teach and I write about <laughs> very clearly about my path because I feel like you can do it a lot smarter than I was doing it. And I wish in hindsight, I had hired mm-hmm. a coach I'm, uh, to, to point those things out to me that I now see in hindsight. Like that was a lot of wasted hours over yeah, those first Yeah, I love year that. I mean, I put people, I kind of have people in certain places that are that 
external coach, but not an official coach. And sometimes I do think about that because yeah. um, just last night I was uh, speaking to someone and he was talking about how he, hi- I mean, he's a very successful entrepreneur here in Seattle and he hired a uh, an executive coach. And I think that coach is really pushing him to, re- you know, with, with the vision, with how he's going to get there and keeping him on track to that. Um, it is hard to know. It's hard to see all the pieces. I mean, I, I do think that you're a lot like me though, Hillary, where you can see the pieces, but then you can go, you can see all the files too, that have to be taken care of in order to get to that. Once you, I feel like you can probably zoom out and zoom in pretty easily. Yeah. And I've gotten better at it. Again, I think there's just a period in which it's just going to be ungraceful in the beginning. Like, it's just not going to be smooth sailing. And now overwhelm for me is a huge passion topic. If you go to deanstreetsociety.com slash encore, E-N-C-O-R-E, you can get the free webinar of my overcoming overwhelm class with Whitney English. I'm super passionate about that topic. But in a nutshell, my biggest thing is saying that one, I'm in, I'm in control. I am the boss. And every time I'm overwhelmed, it's because I'm saying yes Mm -hmm. to too many things. And this applies like if you're a student, if you're a mom, like this isn't just unique to entrepreneurship. But anytime you're like, oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed, I'm exhausted. You have to say no to some things. Sometimes that's going to the gym. Sometimes that's cooking dinner instead of ordering takeout. Like whatever. (laughs) Sometimes that's no to Um, a green smoothie and going and getting something that's not so good for you. (laughs) Kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's just, I've got to say no to like cooking this organic (laughs) meal right now. Or like I've got to say no to, you know, whatever it is. Um, And so having to say, I need to say no to more things. And that's again, one of the other four parts of the entrepreneur cocktail. One part is saying no to overwhelm. And then another part of the cocktail is saying yes to mm-hmm. profit. So making sure that what I am saying yes to is the most important thing to say yes to. And I, on my better days, I sit down in the morning, open up my free online journal, Penzu, chat to myself for a few minutes. And I'm, almost every day starts with like, okay, what are the priorities? Like, what do I need to start with? Because inevitably, I'm not going to have gotten everything done today that I want to. So what are the priorities? What are the things that I'm going to be like, holy shit, how did I not fill in the blank? And three days have gone by. Um, And every night, there's going to be a million things I didn't do. And... But, But I'm getting better at... Like, last night, we... I. Bo needed to like code something. I was supposed to be working my launch script and he was just like, you know what? We're both tired. And like, we've, we've been working days and nights every day this week. Let's just go to a nice dinner. But it took like a lot longer than we thought. Like the train took longer and the service was slow. And he was like, I'm sorry. I, I, he's like, I was thinking about my work and I was forgetting that you wanted to write your launch script. And I was like, you know what? It's okay. Like we're at a nice restaurant. We're having a great time. I can write it tomorrow. Like, yes, it's important, but it also is like, I'm at that point now after the two and a half year mark where I'm like, I also want to run a business. Like Marie Forleo always uses the phrase a business mm-hmm. and life you love. Like I want to not just have a business I yeah, love. You're like, but a I want to be able to go to dinner so, and not be like stressing out about something I have to write. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want to not be like twitching that, you know, the waiter's taking so long to take our order and just be like, I love you. And we're in a great, 
little neighborhood and like, yes, we have worked every other night this week. And that back to your question of like, am I really hard on myself? Like it would be easy for me to say, I'm going to work every single day and night this week. And I, and that was the reality for the vast majority of um, the journey so far. But I think for me, it's getting to that point where it's like, okay, but this isn't fair to him Mm -hmm. or to me to work every single day or night. And eventually I'm going to have a meltdown. I'm just going to burst into tears over something silly because my brain is just tired and my brain just needs a break. And my brain needs for us to spend dinner talking about interpersonal relationships and who we were as kids and like not <laughs> and choreographing African dances. <laughs> yes, basically. Okay. <laughs> okay. You and I All right. Know. So, okay. So that, that's awesome. It's so funny because like, as you were, as you were chatting about that, about, you know, going, you know, taking care of yourself, dealing with overwhelm, um, that actually answered one of my non-businessy questions. Cause I think that having a normal life, doing all that kind of stuff is super important. And, and thankfully I have a six-year-old who reminds me in her very loud, um, bossy girl voice that I need to stop working. Um, and now she's actually starting to tell me when I'm, she's like, mommy, I just want to play with you. And that just breaks my heart. (laughs) But I don't, and I'm like, I don't want to play. I just work. (laughs) And I'm like, but I don't go there. So here's, so this is like non-businessy stuff because that was, that was really great. Thanks for sharing all of that, um, with us. So, okay. So fun stuff, just like one question. This is fun for me anyways. Okay. I'll tell you what my, well, I'll tell you my answer, but I'm going to ask you like, do you have like a group of brands, like labels, whatever clothing that fit, that you kind of like use mm-hmm. to describe your style? Yeah. So I use, um, I use J crew and Kate Spade a lot. Um, I think J crew, I use a lot for my website aesthetic in terms of like, just like simple black and white basic. And then like you can change the, like the clothes Mm -hmm. change because I, I post so many outfit photos all the time that even if you go to my website, like the header is Mm -hmm. really neutral and like whatever. Um, and also their brand is a little bit, their brand is gender neutral. Um, Kate Spade is, and, and Kate Spade is a little more girly girly. So I feel like I kind of fall in the midst of like, a little more, a little more classic, a little more whimsical. Um, but then, and then also I would throw in there and vintage thrift stores. Because I, um, I sort of like the, like, just eclectic. Eclect- not that my style like is that. so eclectic, but like yeah. unique pieces and things with a story and things with a history and I things that, that are old. So I'll tell you that I actually have Kate Spade just because yes. I'm a little bit obsessed right now with like their handbags and like things like that. So Kate Spade. Yeah. You just I'm got a new Kate like Spade. seriously right? in love with it. And Blue. every, like, I don't get, people don't say things about my purse usually. And I've had good purses before but handbags or whatever and so this one people yeah. have like noticed and I think it's because it's blue I think it's the blue the color yep so. color is definitely one of my little like things that are remarkable details worthy of remarking upon color is one of those it's like you'll start to notice now how often you compliment other people on color and how often people it's compliment very bizarre you so it. I have like Kate Spade and J Crew kind of like on the edges but I really like lucky and splendid so I'm like got that 
casual thing, mm-hmm. casual LA thing going on too. Yeah, James Purse sometimes yeah. too. That guy. So so okay. anyway, so that's that's mine. So that's funny. The Kate Spade. I love. Um, I think that after <laughs> I always try to like channel you a little bit. I'm like, what's the third thing? So I don't like just wear like I'll like put two things on. Sorry guys, this is like the girly part of the conversation. And then I'm like, what is that extra little thing that I that that says to me that I put like a little bit of extra thought into something I'm wearing? <laughs> yeah. It, so Anne's referencing my okay. Is good. The key that point is actually like, like a solution, like a thing that you've said. Yeah, but like you can be like, okay, throw on like this like oversized sweater and these leggings. But if I just have a great handbag or bright red lipstick or a chunky necklace, it says I didn't just sleep in this room <laughs> out of bed. Like this is like this my is third purpose. thing, or I didn't just put, <laughs> yeah, or I didn't just put like this t-shirt with this skirt I then belted it or I then put it with a really cute pair of shoes and if it's just like white t-shirt floral skirt flip-flops it just like elevates from that college girl look when you're like oh I have a statement handbag with it or I have colored ballet flats or just again you'll once I pointed this out you'll start to look at other people's outfits and be like oh I guess that just is a shirt and jeans versus, oh, that woman looks like she's wearing an outfit. It's probably, it's either a fabulous dress, like what Robin Penn wears in um, House of Cards. It's just where you're like, okay, that was a $500 dress. You can just wear (laughs) that and it looks amazing. But for most most of us, you'll notice, oh, that woman's wearing like an outfit there's more than two things yeah. happening there. There's usually that third piece that like takes it from clothes to you know, after I, I think, I don't remember. Did I see that in a video? Where did, or you told me something. I like, I now look at how they dress the mannequins in the stores and I am like, oh, that's, that's good. That's a nice little look there. And then I see what they've done. So I, I started doing that as soon as like you told me that and we're, Yeah, I always tell my students in my style and styleability, which is my group class, like as you learn these tips, flip through Us Weekly in the, you know, in the grocery store and you'll, it'll totally stand out to you. Oh, that's secret number one that she was talking about. Oh, that's secret number four. Like, because there just is a science of style. It really, there are reasons why things work. And once it's pointed out to you, it just unlocks this whole other world that you're like, okay, now I'm understanding what every one of those celebrities is doing or why I like this more than, yeah. than that or how she got around that secret. Like for instance, the one. gap, I don't see too much of that additional thing going on. They might like put one of their skinny belts on something and that's kind of as far as they go, uh-huh. but there are other places that do a better job. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like like J Crew yeah. is much yeah. more into layers, and Gap is really kind of into basics sure. and simplicity. Madewell's pretty good too in their. Um, yeah, I love them Madewell. too. Um. Anyway, so yeah. okay, so what projects do you have coming up? How can, uh, how can people get to know? You? First of all, what projects do you have coming up that you want to share? Anything? So we are, we're relaunching my group style class, Style and Styleability, um, and I'm really excited about it because we're refilming all of the content and expanding it, um, and so that's kind of the big project that I'm working on right now is, um, is filming this. We're doing a three-part launch video on it, which I've never done before, 
Um, so I'm super, super excited about that. And then um, after that, I think we'll be moving on to like getting back to the book this summer, like the next chapter of the book. So like I said, my goal was to write, to keep adding a chapter nice. every six months so that if you read the book a year from now, you aren't just like, oh, I wonder what happened yeah. to that story. <laughs> but you're like, okay, now I can see where, how is this continued to grow and then be like, okay, now what does it look like now that it is a six-figure business, now that it is, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so those are kind of, I, we, I, we're trying to kind of alternate like emphasis on style, emphasis nice. on business and back and forth. So we just did mentorship coterie and Dean Street seminars, which was all about business. And I feel like my style side has been a little neglected. <laughs> so is there, is there some sort of um, interest page where people can read about when that's coming yet? Is that, is that up? Yeah. So if, well, if you go to deanstreetsociety.com slash HS for honor society, or you can just write it out on our society. Um, you see both of the opt-in awesome. sides of um, the list there, and both of them come with a free one-hour Dean Street seminar um, based on whichever topic you're interested in. So basically, if you hop on Honor Society, awesome. that's spreading the word upcoming. Great. Well, I definitely want to hear more about how that three-video uh, launch goes. So we're gonna we'll have to have you back if you yeah. would would please that's us great. to do that. And then Indeed. I think we did it, Hillary. We we managed to do this without like totally going off the rails. <laughs> we did mention choreographing after I just dancing a couple times. I just couldn't times. control myself. Like, do you also do karaoke, by the way? I'm just curious. Oh, of course you do. What am I saying? <laughs> well, no, actually, the reason I don't do karaoke is because of my musical theater background. Whenever you know, I'd be out on tour, away doing shows, and so when people would go to karaoke, they would take it so seriously. <laughs> and unlike you, you were in a rock band. Singing is my weakest <laughs> of the three. Like I'm a dancer, actor first, singer third. So I would always get intimidated that people weren't doing it for fun. They were doing it to like belt their face off. Um, so I was always like, oh, I'm just gonna watch. So I feel like karaoke is still something I need to like, in get fun, back into now that I'm an yeah. entrepreneur of like, oh, people just do this for fun, not to like have a pissing <laughs> contest about who really should be the understudy for Peggy Sawyer. Um, so Okay. So <laughs> I, I guess then the next time that we are in the same city or time zone, we have to make it somehow happen. Yes. We've never Which met I find very bizarre to me. Like, I feel like it's happened <laughs> and maybe we just weren't aware of it or something. <laughs> yeah we need to okay need 2014 to goal right there yeah you need to come have a a a, uh, a fabulous like getaway like in that, new york city actually. i would love that everyone here all right hillary nice. it's been great chatting with you and and i will love, put love all the links we talked about as well as style and sellability um how to get to the honor society page below and definitely Put your questions for Hillary there. Style, business, whatevs, and go grab her book because I just I did you see that I just did that today? I, I was like, oh my God, I haven't bought this. Because no, I, <laughs> I was like looking Aww. for it in my in my computer and then I didn't find it. So I ordered it today. You can go to DeanStreetSociety.com forward slash is it still for F P E C? Yeah, mm -hmm. the number four awesome. PEC. So go four grab that. You can, there's two different options for how you can um, get all the material, interact with Hillary, and lots more.
Oh my goodness. Whenever I chat with Hillary, we just go off a little bit here and there, but I hope that you got some value out of today's conversation. I think you probably did because I know I did. And listening to other people's launch stories is the best way to kind of see what, what you can do, what kind of tests you can run during your own launches. It doesn't necessarily tell you for sure what to do and what not to do because everyone's audience is different, but it definitely gives you an idea of what it takes to launch. And to launch means to test and to just throw stuff out there. You know, um, you don't just do it for no reason, but, um, I just love Hillary's attitude. She she came into Fearless Launching saying that she was a serial launcher and that she didn't really have a fear of launching. But what she realized is that she was missing a lot of the core pieces, the foundational stuff that you kind of have to figure out ahead of time. So I love listening to Hillary talk about uh, her launches. Um, you can find her over at deanstreetsociety.com and check out the show notes below so you can find out more information about Hillary and any of the other resources we mentioned during today's episode. Um, I want to thank you again for listening in and hope that these interviews are of some value to you. I know there's nothing I like better. Actually, I I love a good behind the scenes or a makeover story. So those are like my go-to places when I want to learn things. I like to see what people did, what they changed, and then what went well and how they implemented those changes. So Hillary is a fabulous example of testing, but she's also someone who's, who has many different types of products and offerings. Uh, so go check her out and definitely reach out to her with any questions and leave comments below. And again, if you got value from today's episode, I really would love to hear from you. Either go over to iTunes, leave a comment, leave some stars, give me some love or just email me. I love hearing from listeners and I love hearing from people who are also starting their own businesses and starting to think about what they're going to launch into the world. And I would love to hear from you. And again, I can't say enough how grateful I am when I go into my Libsyn account, my little podcasting account, and I see that people are downloading and listening to the show. This makes me so happy. It makes me realize that what I'm doing, this fun little thing that I've decided to do, which actually does take a quite a bit of work to get together, really is... Um, providing value to someone else. Um, because I can sit all day and talk and listen to myself talk about past launches and, you know, people who go through fearless launching and my own experiences, but none of it means anything to me unless it's being used or consumed by others and, and like you. And I, I just, I'm, I, I never take that for granted. So anyway, so thank you again for listening and in a couple of weeks, we're going to hear from another amazing entrepreneur and you are going to love, uh, I, I just know, I'm going to just say it now. I know you're going to love that episode too. So anyways, thanks for listening. I will see you in a few weeks. Take care and thank you again. This has been the Fearless Launching Show and we'll talk soon.